Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way here in the heart of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And boy, do we have a great show tonight. You know, we want you guys to call a family member, tell a friend to tune in. Eli Grayson is in the house, along with Charles and Damali from World One Development. And we're going to be talking about some very important information before the massacre. So uh, we're going to be... uh, original allotments of the Muscogee Creek Nation. We're going to be talking about a lot of that kind of stuff. So if you want to call in, dial 918-856-3873. That's all you got to do is do it like that. You know, so we're going to take a little break, and uh, I'm going to come right back with the crew, and we'll be right back. Stick around. Hello, Tulsa. This is Jeanetta Cole with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janice. P&J Publishing Incorporated announces a new book release, The Entrepreneurial Woman. The World is Your Playground by Angela K. Chambers, MES. Available right now for pre-order at payhip.com slash B slash N-B-A-C. The book release is set to hit June 1st, 2020. If you're ready to publish your book, visit us online at www dot pnjpublishing.com unleash that book that's inside of you with pnj publishing how to order chicken wings number one find a good wing spot i know a wing spot max wings number two decide if you want a combo or if you want to order a la cab huh what's that well, combos come with chicken, veggie sticks, fries, and a drink for a discounted price. A la carte means that you order each item separately. Ah. 
Okay. Three, decide if you want bone-in, boneless, or cauliflower wings. And then determine the delicious flavor you want on your wings. I didn't even know cauliflower had wings. You learn something new every day. Have you been to Max Wings? Yep, yep, Max yep. Wings is located at 782 East Pine Street in Tulsa. We're open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. and on Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Come to Max Wings, home of the dry rub fry. All right. Hey, we're back here on KBOB 89.9 FM. It's the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way. Located in the heart of Black Wall Street, off of Oklahoma. Yeah. In the studio, Eli Grayson. How we doing, man? Good to be here, brother. Yeah, good to have you, man. You know, and along with Charles and Damali. Hey, 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 we're hey, back. We're What's back. What's going on? We are here. <laughs> well, we're here to get a history lesson, huh? That's yeah. it. Yeah, Eli, man, you the man and the, with the plan who can explain <laughs> it all to us uh, from the Muscogee Creek Nation part of it, right? Yeah. In the history that... Uh, Indian Territory. Indian Territory, yeah. which was the first territory. Right. You know, so tell our audience a little bit, where are you from? I mean, where where, where are you from? I live here in Tulsa. Uh, my grandfather who I'm named for his original 160 acre allotment is uh, where Mingo and 41st Street is his siblings his uncles aunts they all make up that anywhere between 21st and 41st Uh, Mingo uh, that particular area of Tulsa is where their land is was located in 1906 1906. Yeah, and I'm named for my grandfather. Oh, okay. Okay, you are. Awesome. What generation are you, do you know exactly? I'm, I'm, my, my father, Eli Grayson, Mm -hmm. was the first. So you're junior. I'm a junior to the third. To the third. Oh, number three. Number three. Okay. Okay, so, Mm -hmm. um, my dad was the first in his generation, his siblings, and his family to be born American. Oh, his parents mm. were born Creek. They didn't have American citizenship. They were they were adopted as Americans when statehood happened. Okay. Okay. So when my father and his siblings were born in his generation, they were actually born American nationals, unlike his parents and grandparents and great grandparents. Hmm. Mm, so, interesting, right there. Yeah. So uh, where do you actually? Where did you actually start investigating your history and this I, history? Well, you know, we all, my family, we, you know, my dad's Creek. So we always mm-hmm. knew we were Creek, you know, and I grew up right outside of Jackson State Campus, Jackson College, mm. back in the day in Jackson, Mississippi. Right. My mother is from Mississippi. My father was from Beggs mm-hmm. and he got a basketball scholarship to play basketball mm-hmm. at Jackson College. Back in the 40s. Okay. And so he and some of these uh, kids from that neighborhood, they were Creek, were uh, sent to Mississippi. And anyway, he met my mother, long story short, I'm here. So Mm -hmm. I lived in California before moving. And for 25 years, I worked out there pretty much in television and set design and interior. Okay. What year was that? Oh, my God. From 1982 up until uh, 2014. 
You're out there in California? And I still live in California, technically. Okay. okay. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, right. the last time you were on the show, weren't you in California? I'm like, right. how did you get here? Yeah, so, uh, you well, know. You were out there when I was out there. So we were out yeah. there doing just the, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but out in California, I served as the president of the California Muscogee Creek Association. Oh. I got appointed, uh, elected to that position. Gotcha. And I did that for 13 years. And that's when I really got involved with the history of the creeks. And my, I always thought, wow, here's an Indian tribe. And it's a tribe that's really legally Indian, but racially white, black, and red. Mm. Because, you know, the, a lot of people don't realize the, there's a legal definition for Indian, American Indian. And the Supreme Court ruled in the 1970s on the Martin versus Mankari that an Indian is a person who is a citizen of a federally recognized tribe. That person could be white, black, red, whatever. As long as he has tribal membership, he's, he's classified as an Indian. Wow. Now, we can't confuse that with the indigenous people of the Western Hemisphere, which would include indigenous people in South America and sure. Mexico and Canada, on and on. But when you're talking about the, the tribes pretty much in Oklahoma, eastern Oklahoma, the five so-called civilized tribes, where the, today in 2021, the majority of the population of these tribes are white people. Mm-hmm. And that's why when you see the Cherokee Nation, you go, well, right. how's this man? He's white. He's right. the chief of the tribe. And on and on. Well, he's classified as an Indian because it's a legal word. It doesn't mean race. It wow. means a political status, like being a Canadian or a right. Japanese person or British. It's a political status. So being a citizen of the Muscogee Creek Nation, I am a citizen of a nation of people, not a race of people. And so I vote in my tribal government. We have a constitution. We have a police force. We have laws. We have a reservation, on and on. So when you see it from a political context instead of a race context, then you can understand what and why the federal government signed a treaty with a other, uh, another government, which happens to be the Creek Nation. It was another government, not a race of people, but a government. Wow. So... You know, so anyway, I got involved with the uh, California Muscogee Creek Association, and I, you know, we we would have everybody. We had Muslim creeks, we had Ooh. we had Filipino creeks, wow. we had all kind of people right. who were connected to the tribe because they were generations later, mm-hmm. but they had a common ancestor on the last official role of the tribe, which ended in 1906, and so by that they had a legal right to be a member of the tribe. So it was just fascinating to me to see this melting pot of different people, black, white, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And my thing was to ask why. You know, when you look at the Navajo Nation, you think of Indian people because they have a high blood quantum to be a part of that tribe. Or like the Mississippi Choctaw, which has a one-half blood quantum requirement. And the five Indian tribes here, called the Civilized Tribes, there is no blood quantum amount requirement to be a member. Wow. You just have to have an ancestor on the last official roll, which is called the Dawes Roll, mm-hmm. that ended April 26, 1906. And so are you instrumental are, um, in helping people be able to figure out 
whether or not, or do you yeah, know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, um, when I was elected to be president, my goal was to find the next generation of, of Creeks who were not enrolled but had a right to be enrolled. Right. Uh, the tribe had given me the original list of Creeks in California. It was roughly about 2,200 people. I don't know. 67% of those on that list were already dead. Right. Wow. And so I took it upon myself to find their descendants if they were some. Wow. So we went through a process of educating people on they can be enrolled in the tribe. And so we went through that, you mm-hmm. know. But strangely, here in Oklahoma, um, you know, there's so much going on. You have the Freeman issue, which people who should be legal members of the tribe, but they're denied their rights, particularly in the Creek, Choctaw, and Chickasaw nations. And so, and then you have a, a lot of people who are looking for the ancestor with Indian blood, mm-hmm. and that not, not maybe the case for everybody needs sure. to prove that. If you're a Freeman descendant, you just need to prove you had an ancestor who was enslaved by them. Right. Not someone who happened to be a full blood Indian. Wow. Right. You know, so, um, but even that, you have like Thomas Gilcrease. He was, I think, 116th or 18th or something like that on right. the roads back in 1906. Wow. So any of his descendants today would be one of a million black quantum, <clears throat> but they still would have legal right, a legal right to be a tribal member. Right. You know, so it's a lot of it is, is in helping people. Um, you know, we get, I get people saying, oh, granny was a Blackfoot Indian, all these things like that. And you have to sit down and go through everything that I just told you. No, these are political societies. Right. Right. Oftentimes when Creeks Mm -hmm. hear the word Blackfoot, other than the Black, the Blackfoot nation up in uh, Canada and Montana, we think of a derogatory term that was given to Black people who were enslaved mm-hmm. by one of the five tribes, the Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, or Seminole. Mm. And so <laughs> we have to sit down and say, well, wait a minute, brother. You know, <laughs> right. that, that, that's how <laughs> white people describe black people who were uh, connected to one of those black tribes. Foot, huh? Right. Yeah. And so you hear a lot. But mm-hmm. when I was growing up in Mississippi, I used to hear that all the time. Right. And knowing that, you know, my dad was a real you know, legal Indians, and we had BIA records and all this stuff like that. So we knew who we were, plus he knew his, you know, he knew his parents. And then his parents were, um, they were the original Creeks there before statehood. Yeah. Michael, so in California, in California, you realizing all of this from your studies, because it, it has your attention. Yeah. So when you're looking at this, you're on the West Coast in California, and when you start seeing where people link in. Are you looking at the United States? Like it's a lot of people that don't know and are they just spread it throughout the U S yeah, we have, we have tribal members in Germany and Japan and Australia. You know, we have people all over the world that are members of our tribes. Now to there are, there, there's some restrictions there. If you live in Germany, you're probably not going to get help from the Creek nation. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you live outside of the reservation, outside of the laws of the Creek nation, there's, there, there are limited things that the Muscogee Creek nation would do for you. There are a lot of things they will do for you, but there are some things that they can't. For example, 
uh, if you were a Creek citizen and you lived in Long Beach, California, mm-hmm. and you were over the age of 55, you can apply and get the, your utilities paid for by the Creek Nation here. They would pay your bill. Your, your monthly bill. service? Yeah. They're, 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 it's, they're, what they do, they $400 for winter, $400 mm-hmm. for uh, summer. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, and, and that's, a lot of money for utilities, yeah. you know, that's quite and that's bit. just one thing. If you're right. in college or if there's an emergency you have, like uh, you can't pay this particular bill, you send it to the Creek Nation or they'll give you a siphon for whatever amount. Or if your house burned down in one of the California fires, there's a $5,000, uh, uh, you know, subsidy that they give you so you can get back on your feet. Wow. You know, wow. but when you live here in the reservation, there's a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you know, if you're of a certain income you and you need a house, you know, they you if you qualify for it, you can get a house built here or purchased here for you. You know, plus, um, you know, the all the Indian health care services, on and on, that are, that are here. So when you say if you live in the reservation, you're talking about on Indian land. Or I'm land talking about within the, each tribe right. has their own domain. Right. The Creek domain, like what's behind me, was mm-hmm. established in the 1866 treaty. Okay. It originally was, and, from eight, and when it, we signed the treaty, Creek Removal Treaty, in 1832, to leave Alabama to come here, the lands went all the way up to the Texas Panhandle. Okay. Okay, but we were a tribe that enslaved black people. Mm-hmm. And when the Civil War broke out, the tribal leaders at that time, most of them were prominent wealthy Creeks uh, allied with the Confederate South. They signed treaties with the South and fought for the South. Right. And then, you know, some Creeks refused to fight for the South and they fought for the Union, blah, blah, blah. So there was a civil war within the Creek Nation. But at the end of it, we had to sign a new treaty mm-hmm. with the United States because the tribe lost the war. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And as okay. a condition of surrender, there was a whole lot of conditions. And one was that we lost two thirds of our tribal land wow. that was established in the 1832 treaty. And to what it is today, which was established in 1866 under the 1866 treaty. Treaty, right. You know, so I know it's complicated, it's layered. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm throwing out a lot of stuff that took me a long time to understand. And now it's kind of embedded in my DNA. Right. And, you know, I see things and I hear people say things and I just cross my eyes and go, the real story is so much more interesting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Really. If you actually knew it, you know. Right. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, I have this thing that I, a great, my grandmother's first, my great grandmother's first cousin, who was the chief of the tribe at one time, used to say, "I glory in being Creek," and I do. I like Man. the beautiful part of being Creek. And there's the ugly side of being Creek. And one of the ugly sides is that in 1979, my tribe had a vote, and they voted the black people out, the free them. They voted them Man. out. In 1975? In 1979. 79. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they okay. had a vote. It was illegal. Mm. And the government went for it. And ever since then, the Creek freedmen descendants have been fighting for their rights back in the tribe. 
And so, you know, Choctaw Nation did it in 1982. The strange thing about the Choctaw Nation was that they sued in their treaty, Choctaw Chickasaw Treaty, the government said, you're going to free your black people. And um, the Choctaw and Chickasaw wanted to be paid for each of the black uh, enslaved person that they held in, as slaves. So the government put up $300,000 and told them to split it. Wow. You know, and they have to, in turn, make these people tribal members. Mm-hmm. So the, the, you know, so this happened. Anyway, the in Choctaw Nation, there's a lot happened with the, with the tribe reneging, the Chickasaw Nation reneging on that when the allotments happened. And it turns out, and this is a side note, um, the Chickasaw Indian and the intermarried white who married a Chickasaw Indian got 320 acres. Mm. But they're enslaved Africans who have been enslaved by that tribe for decades and decades and decades. Right. Only have 40 acres. Oh, wow. that's, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so you could have been an Indian that married a white man that just showed up and he gets 320 acres. Oh, wow. Mm. So that's some of the dirty stuff that happened back in the day. Yeah. But um, I think a lot of people um, don't realize that Indians had slaves. Yeah. That's a Not big, all, that's, that's a big deal, man, because yeah. they don't know. They yeah. think that it come from, we were enslaved yeah. by, by European white people, but right. Indians did have slaves. Right. And, but we, not all tribes participated in that. Yeah. Okay. So we do know what are five. some of the, what are the five that you think that participated in that? Oh, the ones that I know. That you know of. Yeah. yeah. Choctaw Nation, mm-hmm. Chickasaw Nation, Cherokee Nation, Muscogee Creek Nation, and the Seminole Nation. Mm-hmm. All they call the five civilized tribes. And they're the tribes that make up Eastern Oklahoma because of the 1866 treaty that established their reservations. Um, yeah, but they we they're the only ones that the federal government actually had to deal with with a enslaved you know with an institution of slavery that was established. They had slave codes. They had some of the slave codes where you think Louisiana was bad. Oh wow! You wow. read the Chickasaw slave codes and hair was sent up on your head. Wow! You know, so you know it's 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 all layered history. And, uh, and you know, and, and I, I need to explain something because it's often overlooked. In our treaty, it talks about free blacks and enslaved people among mm-hmm. our tribe. Mm-hmm. And the free Africans in our tribe don't get enough play as an explanation. Before 1866, the citizenship in the Creek Nation was a matrilineal decision. If your mother was Creek, then you were a Creek citizen. Oh, wow. But if your father was Creek and your mother was a non-Creek, some other tribe, some other race, mm-hmm. that child would not be Creek because wow. you can only get your clan in your tribal town through your mother. It's a matrilineal thing. It's the same way with wow. slavery in the tribe. The Creeks practiced chattel slavery. If the mother was a slave, then the child was a slave. So if the father had a, was an Indian who had a child with an enslaved woman, that child would be enslaved because mm-hmm. of chattel slavery is through the mother. Mm-hmm. And because this Indian male could not pass in my tribe citizenship on to anybody. Wow. 
the know, mother could only do the, that. The female Indian could only do that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these free blacks in the tribe is actually describing a Indian woman who had a kid with a African male. Right. And we had people who became very prominent in our tribe, like uh, Silas Jefferson, right. who was the Black Creek, who was mm-hmm. uh, Miko of Tuskegee Tribal Town. You know, it happened to be his mother was Indian and his father was African. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, so that's you get into this very layered, complicated history, and one kind of explanation leads you through a whole. Right, another um, level, another and, level. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Eli, and Eli, you said something, and, and, and so I couldn't let you get too far past it. You said <laughs> if you knew the slave codes that was had, that it made, it would make the hair stand up on your neck. Mine stood up. So I needed you to give us a few of them. What were some of those slave codes? Oh, you could you couldn't own property. You couldn't, uh, it was illegal for like this African male having a kid with a uh, Indian, that was all illegal. illegal. Was all, if, if a slave killed someone, he was immediately put to death. Wow. But if a Indian killed a slave, then he would have to pay the master. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, just, it gets, and then you got to understand too, how, how, how slavery was important to these particular tribes. One, you had like in the Seminole nation, you had a bunch of bounty hunters who mm-hmm. made a lot of money being the bounty hunters in the South for African slaves. We never talk about that. Right. But in the other tribes, in the Deep South, for example, in Mississippi, when you go to the plantations in Mississippi and you see a plantation and it's 10,000 acres Mm -hmm. and this enslaved white, the slaver white person, white male may have had 500 Africans working at plantation. Well, he not only owned the 10,000 acres, he owned the 500 black people that worked the plantation, Mm -hmm. the cows, the chicken, everything like that. Not so in Indian Territory. In Indian Territory, no one owned land. That didn't happen until the allotments. Mm -hmm. So your wealth was actually in the black person you held enslaved. Wow. Not the land. You can go to Chase Bank back in the day and say, I need a $10,000 loan to get my next crop up and I'm going to put my farm or my plantation up for collateral. You can do that because you didn't own anything. Okay. You only own those particular humans, black Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. that you enslaved. Now you could put them up as collateral and oftentimes they did. But in my mind, that seems strategic. Like somebody wants to make sure this land was being tilled or whatever was done, so we're going to let you own the slave, but you're going to really watch over that because that's your asset. Mm-hmm. Though somebody else owns the land, which... Well, no, 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 it wasn't somebody else. The tribe owned it. The so tribe the tribe. owned it, owned it and you. we all owned it in common. No one had a greater share. Mm-hmm. Now, gotcha. the way we got to use it was we went to the council and the Creeks was the, they just like the U.S. government, the executive branch, legislative, and judicial. Our legislative branch consisted of two houses, House of Kings, House of Warriors. And t- the people in the House of Kings tended to be head of your particular band of Creeks. Right. There was 82 bands called tribal towns during the removal. By the time of the Civil War, there was only 44. And then they added three more when they and freed the black people and gave them tribal bands. Complicated history. But <laughs> right. 
in that, you would go to the council and you would say, hey, I just got married. I want a 1,000 acres to farm. Mm-hmm. Right. And the council would give you a two-year lease. Get busy. There's a lot of land. They give you mm-hmm. a two-year lease. Mm-hmm. You do what you want, but you only got two years. Every right. two years, you came back to the council to renew that lease. Now, if you fell over dead, your wife and kids didn't get it. If they wanted to continue to use it, they would come back to the council themselves Mm. to renew the lease. Mm -hmm. Now, in saying that, all the baloney that you hear about the Perrymans owning 200,000 acres and all that nonsense Mm -hmm. never happened. Wow. Because the land was owned by the Creek Nation. The Perryman had a right, Perryman family had a right to use it, Mm -hmm. but they didn't own the land. Right. The land was owned in common by all the tribal members with a right of use. Mm-hmm. And wow. so even after the black people were freed in the tribe, they had the same uh, access to the land. Now, all of this is before 1898. So between 1866 and 1898, you have black people doing very well because they had free land to use with no debt, no mortgage. They didn't have to pay a share to the tribe, none of that. Right. Whatever you can use, you did. Mm-hmm. Right. It was a better system for and so when, when white people came here in 1878 and 1882 from the U.S. Senate called the Conditions of Indians and Indian Territory, they held hearings, and they would ask the Black Creeks, don't you want to be an American? Don't you want to own all your lands? And right. the black people would say, no, thank you. We're satisfied being <laughs> we Creek. We good. We see what happens to the state blacks in Arkansas and mm-hmm. Kansas and Texas. We don't want that. Right. Just leave us alone. We glory in being creeps. Creep. Right. Right. You know, but the allotments were forced upon everybody, and we know what happened. So, so I was the question I was going to ask, and you actually kind of answered the question. Um, is you know why what why did Indians think you know that they needed to have um, slaves or black people to actually work their land? Well, the the the. No one knows exactly when slavery started in the Creek Nation, but we do know the first two black people who landed in the Creek Nation, they came with DeSoto in 1541. Mm-hmm. We know their names. We know they ran away from DeSoto and they married into the tribe. Right. And then when Fernando or whatever his name came 20 years later, these two black brothers had families and kids that's history so we know that but right. when chattel slavery started among the creeks uh you know we don't know exactly but it it had it was established long before the first shot of the american revolution happened you know so and and a lot of the muskogee families or creek families who were enslaving um, black people have one thing in common. It was a white man from England or Europe somewhere married into the tribe okay. and brought that system. Right. So you ended up with a lot of mixed blood creeps mm-hmm. being the slavers. Now, there were some full bloods that enslaved, but not many. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you think about slavery in general, you take the state of Mississippi, and I think when the Civil War broke out, only 3% of white people enslaved black folks. Yet 97% of white folks who had no slaves went to fight for those 3%. Mm. Kind of like the Republicans wow. right now. You know, yeah. so, <laughs> you know, but, but in the tribe, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. You had a uh. small number of prominent Indian families who enslaved Africans. And yet, because of the slave codes and the economy, 
of slavery, it benefited the tribe as a whole. Right. You know, because our tribe economy was based on agriculture mm-hmm. and hunting and stuff like that and forest, forests too. So you needed people to work that. So and, you had they had slaves who worked that, right? Yep. So when were those slave free? That's a lot. Yeah, when, when, well, when, when was it? When did it get to the point to where we got, we got a, uh, the Indians said, hey, we got to let them go? No, the Indians said we got to let them go. Who that said? Before, the U.S. government said it. The government said it. The federal government. Is that and doing, war, is that doing emancipation seven, proclamation? No. That did way not. before that. Like, no. After, after that? Yeah. When, okay. when black people in the U.S., and when I see it in Tulsa, I think it's crazy. Celebrate June 19th, 1865 mm-hmm. for the last day of slavery in the U.S. And it's then they correct. celebrated here in Tulsa. I it's just get correct. mad. It's not correct. No, it was June 14th, 1866. A whole nother year black people were enslaved. That was in Galveston, right? Well, 1865 in was Galveston. Galveston. Mm-hmm. Right. June 19th, mm-hmm. 1865. June 14th, 1866. Here in the Creek Nation. Mm-hmm. Wow. Another year. A whole nother year. Yeah. The Choctaw Nation was April 28th. Chickasaw Nation, April 28th, 1866. Seminole Nation was March 21st, 1866. Mm-hmm. The Cherokees was July 19th, 1866. So black people were enslaved a whole year after right. the, what happened in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, so when you are talking about the land that you're on and the fact that a large percentage of black people here are connected to these tribes in that history, their ancestors were still in bondage a whole Mm -hmm. nother year after. Mm -hmm. And see, none of the emancipation affected five slave owners because these were foreign nations mm-hmm. he right. might as well have been saying i'm emancipating black people in mexico mm-hmm. right okay so right. in the indian tribes these these were separate countries mm-hmm. and so they had their own laws and rules and, and they hopped in the fight with the confederate south to protect their sovereign right to enslave black people oh my goodness because the south had promised them things mm-hmm. that they could they can it will win and you will make sure you keep your slaves and all this stuff they lost. They lost. Right. Mm-hmm. And the union, the federal government came in with conditions. And in Article 2 of the 1866 Treaty, there were five things. One, slavery would not exist in your tribe anymore, except when it's, you're in prison. You can mm-hmm. put somebody to work in prison. Mm-hmm. That's it. Two, the slaves you got, enslaved Africans you got, are now your tribal citizens. Three, with an equal interest in the soil. Four, equal interest in the national funds. Mm. And five, the federal government is to treat them the same as the native citizens. Mm-hmm. That's it. Equally. 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 Oh, no difference. Goodness. You know, but when you think about what happened in Mississippi, that's what they told black folks in Mississippi. They told Mississippi, you ain't having no more slavery in the state. Your slaves are now your citizens. They can do what they want. All, you know what happened with Jim Crow later. Mm-hmm. But when the, when the, after the Civil War, you had legislators coming out of Mississippi. And then the white folks changed that around quickly, uh, you know, after the uh, post-Reconstruction years. 
you know, but in, in, in the Creek Nation, there was some incredible things happening with our black citizens. One, you had the first African person to serve on the Supreme Court, the Creek Nation Supreme Court. And like I said, the Creek Nation government system, you had the executive branch, which, which was the chief, you had the, and, and all of his cabinet. And then you had the legislative branch would be the House of Kings, House of Warriors, which is like the U.S. Senate, U.S. Uh, House of Representatives. And then you had the judicial branch. In our judicial branch, we had districts. We had district courts, six of them. This particular area would have been the uh, Okmuggee district. And above the district court, we had the Supreme Court, Mm -hmm. which was the final say of our government. Jesse Franklin was a former slave of the Creek Nation. In 1878, the Creeks put him on the Supreme Court. This brother could put you to death. Wow. He had that type of power. He was a former slave. Wow. Just 10 years, 12 years earlier, in 1878, he's serving on the Creek Nation Supreme Court. In 1883, he passes away. But before he dies, the U.S. Senate in 1878, the year he was put on, interviewed him. And these white people from the East Coast <laughs> here in the Creek Nation uh, with this hearing they were like, you're on the what? <laughs> <laughs> How did that wow. happen? It's in the notes. It's so right. funny. You could, you can, when you read the testimony, mm-hmm. you could feel what these white people were saying. They're going, wait a minute, what? Yeah. You were a slave when? And now you're on the Supreme Court. How did that happen? Wow. And then what are your responsibilities? Oh, I could put people to death if they commit murder. Hmm. You know, and I, I'd settle civil issues and on and on. And they're just shocked at this. That's mm-hmm. a lot of progress you know? in 10 years. Right. But the tribe built schools for black people. We had Tallahassee Mission, which was the higher ed for Creek Freedmen. And we had all these other Creek Freedmen schools. Mm-hmm. Now, the tribe did have a, secret, a separate but equal system. When you said Tallahassee, so where was that located? Dude? Right next to Muskogee. Mm-hmm. Just right, right oh, outside. So you're talking yeah. about, okay, we're in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, Tallahassee Mission. My, um, let me see, my grandfather, who I just, I was telling you about, Eli Grayson, he went, he was in the first class when they opened up uh, Langston back in the day in 1890. And then, Langston University. Yeah, but his wow. siblings went to Tallahassee Mission. Mm-hmm. You know, his right. father went to Tallahassee Mission, wow. which was the black Indian school of the day back in those days. Wow. Man. That is yeah. amazing. It's shocking is- because I'm, I'm, I'm from Arkansas originally, mm-hmm. and I know that people at home, I see some people from Arkansas right here now, mm-hmm. they like, Indians had slaves. What they? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's always a shocker, yeah. right there. These are, yeah. And these yeah. are not like teenagers. Well, these are adults. Let me tell you, I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I I grew up. No one said it to me until I, I this actually happened. I was at the tribe. I'm going to give names, but I was at the tribe. The first time I heard the word Creek Freeman, and I was in the preservation office, and this black lady came in with her two kids. And the lady that was running her preservation office, she was very not kind to me. She was like, oh, I wanted to meet a Grayson, blah, blah, blah. We're right. talking, chilling, whatever. I'm from California. And this black lady walks in, and she's about 15 feet away. Mm-hmm. And this woman immediately stops talking to me in mid-sentence, went over, and I can hear them going at it. Right. Wow. And I didn't know what it was about. Mm-hmm. And then she came, and this was before I was 
president of the California Creek Association. I was just interested in tribal history. Mm -hmm. She comes back after this lady leaves, and I can tell it was contentious. And I said, what happened? And she said, oh, it's those Creek Freedmen. They think we owe them something. That was the first time oh, I heard wow. them. Really? <laughs> and I was like, what's a Creek Freedman? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when I grew up in Mississippi, we knew what freedmen were, but the Freedman Bureau went away in that 1930. Mm-hmm. Oh, black folk in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, on and on, were called freedmen. You were Mississippi freedmen. You were Alabama freedmen. You were right. Arkansas freedmen. Mm-hmm. And when they died off, the last enslaved freed person, formerly enslaved person, died off, the Freedmen Bureau's closed, and no one knows them today because it's an antiquated word and, and institution that no longer exists today. The right. government closed them down, except in Indian Territory, where the five tribes forced, and this is, this is a badge of slavery. When the, when the, when the um, U.S. Constitution talks about forcing black people to wear badges of slavery, branding them a antiquated term, which is freedmen. You're not a freedman. You're not, well, you were never enslaved, right. but you're a descendant of one. And so a term that should have been buried when the last former enslaved Creek died right. probably in the 1930s, that word should have stopped being used and everybody should have just been called Creek. Right. But the five tribes to, and I think it's called, the, it's what I call that colonialism, whiteness in our tribe, right. that want to remind black people you're still below. Ooh. You know, mm-hmm. so I, want to, I want you to hear that because yes, say it again. you got in, in the South, I grew up with this. You got white guilt. You got white folks running around guilty for slavery. You come to Indian territory and these Indians, particularly in the five tribes, they're not guilty about their ancestors enslaving black people. There's no red guilt there. Mm. And I confront that all the time because right. it's almost a joke to people. Oh, they were just slaves without they were thinking, just slaves, just yeah. slaves yeah. without thinking about you mean you you're disrespecting a person who went through that mothers who kids were born owned by other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And you could lose them just because somebody is bipolar, mm-hmm. that's a slave owner. Sure. And decide, oh, I need new kitchen curtains in New Orleans. Mm. So I'm going to sell two of your kids to get them. Wow. You know, we dismiss that. And we dismiss it even on the Trail of Tears. When we think about the Trail of Tears and the Indians are walking and all this stuff like that, the Creeks came on, on riverboats. They shackled most of them. Mm. And they shackled their slaves. And when they right. dumped them off, they dumped the Negroes, the black slaves off first to clean the fields and the roads. And everything to clear out to get to the spot they want they want them to go, and we do not appreciate it. We don't consider what they went through, and it's I think it's and and let, let's be fair here. Nowhere in Oklahoma school, not a school in this state, from university down to kindergarten, teaches the history of Black people in Indian Territory. Right. No, they don't. Th- they wow. don't. You yeah, know, absolutely including right. Tulsa uh, public schools. And whenever we try to talk to those people, they dismiss us. They throw up their hands. They're like, they, you know, they don't, don't want to hear it at all. Yeah. Huh? yeah. And I'm like, well, you want to talk about the three day massacre, but you don't want to talk about the folks that who how they got here. Right. 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 You know, and you want to talk about well, they 35 just recently, blocks. Didn't they just recently implement the massacre? 
Yeah, yeah. Just recently. Yeah. Yeah. Just recently. Well, and so, so we we and when they did that, right. we tried to have a conversation right. with them to say it's a lot more complicated than, than just, just those three days. Right. You know, you want to talk about thirty five blocks. We want to talk about one million ninety four thousand two hundred and forty acres of black land and the Creek Nation. Yeah. And that's just in the Creek Nation. We mm-hmm. ain't talking about the millions in the other tribes. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about thirty four blocks, you want us to look at a bush instead of the forest that we really own. Okay. Okay. Man. That's what I've been complaining about. So, Eli, what do you think about, um, we just talked earlier about there's this new house bill that is sitting on Governor Stitt's yep. uh, uh, desk right now for him oh, to sign, um, where they're trying to stop us or, or stop the history right. from being told um, the way it really is, right? right? What do you think about that? Well, I have to remind people, first of all, the state has never Indian history here. Right. Our black history. Right. So what they're trying to do, just like you said, prevent it from being told mm-hmm. and just be satisfied with what we what they allow people to be taught. Mm-hmm. And and so Governor Stitt is a uh, Cherokee citizen. People forget about that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He's a citizen of Cherokee Nation. Mm-hmm. God Didn't bless know. his European heart. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hello. Right. I'm talking about. Yes. Okay. So. They, they, you know, why, you know, they don't mind. I, I, the Freeman people look at this as saying it's amazing how they're willing to talk about the three-day massacre and the destruction of a community in Tulsa, mm-hmm. but don't want to talk about a third of the land in eastern Oklahoma was owned by black people and what happened to the to this this land right. what happened when they when they tried to pass the grandfather clause mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. let me let's talk about that right. can you imagine i always say this mm-hmm. you're a white person and you're born in memphis tennessee and back in the day you get on a wagon and you come across arkansas to indian territory now in the state of oklahoma and you've been here five minutes and somebody gives you a voter registration form. Wow. Um, but if you are black and you've been here since the 1820s and you own 160 acres, you're being told you can't vote. Mm. But you're the landowner. Right. And the, the, the brother that just came from, the white brother that just came from Memphis, right? he's a voter. Mm. I mean, that's the stuff they don't want you to think about. And the fact that you look at Wagner County. Mm-hmm. And nearly the entire county that's within the in the Muscogee Creek Reservation, nearly eighty percent of it was allotted to freedmen. Oh, wow. And yet black folks don't own nothing over there almost. Wow. You know, what happened? What what kind of laws did the state pass to dispossess these black folks of their properties? Or why were they willing to get out of here? Why was the condition so bad that you would get up sell your property and move to the West Coast, Canada, wherever, mm-hmm. right. just because you don't want to deal with white folks that just got here. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Because in your mind, you've got to know that's strategic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and brother, I'm yeah. going to say this. What yeah. I'm worried about with this whole conversation with Greenwood mm-hmm. that's going to happen at the end of May and the 1st of June is that on June 7th, when the cameras are shut off, mm-hmm. right? when the cameras are shut off, mm. The same problem Still that exists. the freedmen have, which are tribes beating them down, the you know the knee of the tribe sovereign neck. I mean, what I call the sovereign knee of the Creek Nation is on the neck of the freedmen. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It will still be there. And uh, the mayor of this town, the governor of this state, the commissioners of this county will still be doing business with the Creek Nation, not even worrying about what they're doing to black people. I mean, even the U.S. broke its relationship with South Africa because of apartheid. Mm-hmm. Right. But here, right. mm-hmm. these, it's just business as usual, and they they break it off to a – it's just a small amount of black folks we're mm-hmm. talking about, mm-hmm. when it actually affects all the black people here. Mm-hmm. If the Cherokee Nation had never disenrolled its black citizen and gave them the same type of attentions and funds that they gave the white Cherokees all over the place mm-hmm. – and right. you got all these black Cherokees that live up here in North Tulsa. This area should have been thriving from day one. Wow. Right. Right. But instead, the tribe kicked them out, and they had to fight for 16 years in court to get their to get their uh, rights back in the tribe. And it's just now beginning to turn around for them. And that's just the Cherokee Nation. Right. And let's and because we 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 went by pretty fast, and we got so many people tuning in from all over. And I just want them to, to understand the allotment and what happened with that. The, the allotments were the fourth division of tribal land into individual land ownership. That's mm-hmm. what that is. And the government basically, the Creeks actually voted on it, the Cherokees, because they all voted on it, and the majority went for it because it had to deal with a treaty issue. And they had this propaganda out that, don't you want to own your own 160 acres instead of begging from the tribe? And this land would be in your family for the next 20 generations right. uh, that would support you on and on and on. And you, you got to think about it. 160 acre lot, four of them is a square mile. Mm-hmm. Okay. Four. It's four of them. So you can be a parent, the mother, father with 160 acres piece. Your first top two kids got 160 acres. Then you might have six other kids. So you're actually a black person owning square miles of land. Right. Wow. Okay? That land was supposed to sustain you. And then, so that was the propaganda behind it, but that's not what actually happened. The government ended up dividing the creeks based on a racial status of freedmen and Indian. And then the Indians, they broke them up based on blood quantums. Anybody half or more, they weren't taxed, all this stuff, but you were less than half, you were. Freedmen were taxed after the get-go, all of this stuff, Man. you know. So, so you had the allotments that started in 1898. It ended in, on April 26, 1906. If you were a Creek citizen, freedman or Indian, you got 160 acres. I often say this. Half of the allotments in Indian territory with the five tribes went to females. Mm-hmm. That couldn't vote. Yes, think about that. No, yeah. A white male could vote, but not not women and not black people. So, you you have the allotments that happened between 1898 and 1906. It's called the Burke Act of April 26, 1906. You can go online and read it. It's a very interesting read. It talks about the freedmen class of in, uh, tribal members. It talks about the by blood class of tribal members in all five tribes. And this was to pre- prepare for statehood. Mm-hmm. The, the, all the members of the five tribes became American citizens under the uh, Five Civilized Tribes Citizenship Act of 1901. Mm-hmm. That's when all the members of the five tribes became American citizens. But if you were Shine, Arapaho, or Ponca, or one of those tribes, it was not until the 1920s mm-hmm. that you became an American citizen. 
of the five tribes, mainly because they had a high population of mixed white folks. So, <laughs> so anyway, they, everybody became U.S. citizens. And the U.S. actually did a couple of things. In 1900, May, they passed the Townsite Act. Okay. Townsite. The Townsite Act. Uh-huh. It, it set aside land for Wagner, for Bristoe, for Tulsa, mm. for Muskogee, gotcha. on and on to be a townsite. Right. And in the Townsite Act, committees were formed to plot the area out. And members, the committee had to be not only the white squatters that had came here, but also members of the tribe. And basically the Creek Nation hired Gus and Dave Patton to plat out Tulsa in 1902. And, um, and then the northern, where the Brady District is, over, where uh, east of here a little bit, uh, where the Brady Mansion is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, that would have been considered North Tulsa back in the day. That was in the Cherokee Nation. That was plotted out by Gus and Dave Patton by the Cherokee Nation in 1904. Now, what Greenwood, that's often asked about, was mm-hmm. in that area where Greenwood and Archer is, was actually Greenwood and First Street North. Okay. And it wasn't mm-hmm. Archer. Right. And that is the beginning of the what we know as the black community of Greenwood. It was the black lived north of the railroad. Mm-hmm. Now, you have different class of black people at that time that was in the area, just like white people. And how Tulsa basically started was the discovery of oil in the Osage Nation mm-hmm. initially, yep. and white people in Oklahoma Territory and Arkansas and places like that came to the area where the Perrimans had a post office and the railroad track had already been built in the 1870s, and they just set their butts there. Mm-hmm. And the Creeks kept sending letters and to the U.S. Marshals, come get your people. <laughs> they're squatters. They're squatters. squatters. Yeah, they're I'm not immigrants. They're right. illegally here, and they're building houses. Mm-hmm. We got to burn them down mm-hmm. if you don't come get them. Mm-hmm. So these white people happen to be prominent people, mm-hmm. and they were able to, because they were some of the prominent people in Oklahoma Territory, they were able to lobby Congress, and Congress actually took from the tribe 654 acres, oh, wow. which is about a square mile, a little mm-hmm. over a square mile. And under the Townsite Act and formed Tulsa. And in that Townsite Act, they set up the rules that the Creek Nation can say nothing to these white people in the, in the Townsite. And also that the land would be plotted out. That's why they hired Gus and Dave Patton. And that the lots be sold to white folks, mm. not Indians, mm-hmm. not black people, not white people. Mm-hmm. And what they did, this is the dirty crap that happened back in the mm. day. Can I say crap? Yeah. Okay. So they plotted this out, and then they, the, the white brother would say, oh, here's one lot up for sale. Oh, it's a nickel. Because he knows who's going to be the buyer. Right. right. Okay, so he said, and the nickel is going to the Creek Nation. Not the value of the lot. Right. The first sale. Mm-hmm. The sale. They cheated the, the tribe, just like that. That's why I'm telling you it's funny. <laughs> and then mm. the guy that bought it for a nickel turned around and sold it for market value. And he got to keep the money. Mm-hmm. Well, they exchanged the wealth. That's how right. it initially started. Right. You know, so then you had a lot because of the discovery of the Glenpool and other places you had Tulsa take off from being in 1900 or about 1901, about 1,200 people to 1910, 12,000 people to 1920, 
78,000 people. Mm. Wow. And a huge percentage of the 78,000 people happen to be the black immigrants from the other states that came here. You, I always tell people, if you want to know who was in Tulsa, you don't have to guess. The right, not six months before the uh, Tulsa race massacre, was the U.S. population census done here. Mm-hmm. And in 1920, there's Greenwood right there as a community in Tulsa. By street, everybody's listed, their kids, what they did for a living, if they own, if they rent, wow. if they were a boarder. Everybody participated in that. In that census back in the mm-hmm. day because right. that's how you were, you were counted. And so all the black folks who were here, right before the massacre, or right there on that census. So you don't have to guess. You see their names. You see how old they are. You see what state they're originally from. Even if you knew they were a freeman or a black Indian living in the area, mm-hmm. it says it right on that census. All right there. Oh, wow. They were from Arkansas. They were Chicago, on and on. So what you would find on that census, which is fascinating, is what they actually did for a living. Mm-hmm. And you would find that a lot of black people were in the business of construction. Mm-hmm. They were skilled laborers. And wow. what was happening... Tulsa was building high rises and buildings and on and on. And you had black people from Chicago that knew how to build a high rise mm-hmm. and from Chicago that knew mm-hmm. how to build a high rise. Right. They and they, they would come here to work, mm-hmm. you know, and their names on there. And when they got their check, they couldn't go to the white Macy neighborhood. They had to spend their dollars in the black community. The black mm-hmm. community. And so the dollars stayed there again and again. Mm-hmm. So, so you could see their names. You could see what they did for a living, if they were in retail, hotel work, whatever, right. construction. It's all listed right there. Now, that only happened just like it only happened for white folks because the Indians, the tribes had to lot out their land. And they became individual owners of, of land. And these lands, oil and gas was discovered on. And that drew the boom to make Tulsa sure. to what it is today. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But back in those days when Tulsa was the study, center of the Saudi Arabia of the world, right. uh, it drew everybody here looking for their black gold. Mm-hmm. But this is what's interesting. The uniqueness and the, the black people here, you have two classes. You have the state blacks and you have the native blacks. And Booker T. Washington talks about that. <laughs> He, he referred to the Indian black or the freedmen as the native black. Mm-hmm. They were property owners. Right. Right. And he was amazed at how much land that they actually own. When you think about Bowley, and if you only think Bowley had a bank because of a main street and a hat shop, that's not the case. Right. It had a bank because 100,000 acres surrounding Bowley was in the hands of black folks. Mm-hmm. Happened to be Creek and Seminole freedmen. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like the black, Muskogee, for example, had two black neighborhoods back in the day. Two black Mm -hmm. black neighborhoods that were very prominent, and they had banks. Mm -hmm. You know, so it wasn't just Greenwood. It was a, because of the conditions of what was happening in eastern Oklahoma, where you had nearly three million acres of eastern Oklahoma was in the hands of black people who had been members of these tribes. And so unlike Georgia, for example, where you had, you know, uh, 500 times as many black people in Georgia than you had here, you know, the black people in the five tribes were roughly 45,000 people. 
We know their name. We know how old they were. We know exactly where their allotments are. All of that. We have those records. Mm-hmm. And they own nearly three million acres combined. Mm-hmm. I just got to hear you say one more time that it was two black communities in Muskogee, and yes. both communities had a bank. Yes, you never wow. read the story of Sarah Rector. I've heard it. Can you tell it one Brother, more time? Brother, you got to go pick up I've that book. Seen, mm-hmm. It's called "Researching Sarah Rector, the Richest Black Girl in America." Wow, hmm. she was born a Creek Creek uh, newborn, mm-hmm. and her allotment was over near Drumright. And her land was producing millions of barrels of acres. I mean, of, of barrels oil. of oil, oil. Right. a week. She's running around with no shoes on. And don't know. You know, and nobody knows what happened to her family, but this book actually goes into details. Right. And the the people that were leasing her oil and gas, uh, they went paying her. She's running around with no shoes on. The NAACP. This was written in the Crisis Magazine in 1914. They came down here and got her. They took her to Kansas, and to get her money and to save her life, they had the state of Kansas create a birth certificate for her, making her a white girl. Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow, making her a white girl. And so in Muskogee today, there is a building down there, a little storefront that still exists, and it's got Sarah Rector. When you go over to Drumright area, and I, I occasionally take people out there to see it, mm-hmm. because those Sarah Rector's been dead 70 years, the oil jacks that are out there pumping still say Sarah Rector 1, Sarah Rector 41, <laughs> oh, Sarah wow. Rector 51. Yeah. They're all, you know, but she sold out, you know, about the 1920s. She sold, when she became an adult, she went to Tuskegee uh, University. Gave it all of her. Mm-hmm. No, she took her money. And yeah. she did well. She mm-hmm. lived in, in Kansas City mm-hmm. and built a mansion up there and had her right. own business. She had a business in Muskogee, on and on. But when you look at the prominent black oil and gas family, right. like the Simmons and, uh, and others, back at Jake Simmons and others, Creek Freeman, uh, their businesses were in Muskogee. That's where mm-hmm. the black oil and gas. When you, the river, for example, on this map, you see Tulsa, that's the... 654 acres right there. This is Arkansas right. River. That's Wagner. Right. See that? That's Muskogee. Mm-hmm. The green is the Creek Freeman land, and the blue and the purple. This is this is uh, Creek County. This would be Tulsa County here. That's Sand Springs right here. This is the Osage Nation. This is the Cherokee Nation up on this side. And this mm-hmm. would be Tulsa. This is Wagner. This is Muskogee, Macintosh, we say Tuckabutchie, you go, Huges Creek, we say Tuckabutchie, but it's Huges County. Then you have Ofusky County and Okmuggie County in the center. And so Sarah Rector's allotment was over here in Creek County, and it's one of these that are, matter of fact, that's it right there. I said if I pulled the the actual thing, because she was one of the only Creek Freemen on the Oklahoma Indian Territory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right in this area right here. Uh-huh. And that's where the Summerron River runs. Mm-hmm. And she, um, you know, she, yes, well, mm-hmm. sir. Go ahead. No, I was just kind of moving into another direction because we are here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right. Tell us about Osage County. Well, the Osage, Cause you see, a lot of us, 
That's right. all we know is Osage. Mm-hmm. Right. Osage this, Osage that. Well, originally it was Cherokee land. Before that, it was Osage land. Before they moved the five tribes out on somebody else's land mm-hmm. back in the day. But the Osages repurchased that land back from the Cherokee Nation, I think in the 1860s, right after the Civil War. And they were having a hard time in Kansas and other places. And they bought this land directly from the Cherokee Nation. Of course, the federal government brokered the deal. And the Cherokees didn't want it. It was on poison land. Oh, wow. Poison uh, land. Oil and gas, brother. Yeah. <laughs> So they didn't want it. They couldn't use it. And so those Indians, hey, they wanted that useless land out there. Hey, there you go. So that's where they so went. So that's why we got the Osage Casino. Mm-hmm. and Well, that's not why you have the casino. Well, I'm just saying that's where they own the land, though. Yeah, they own. And they're, the way they did their allotments, the creek should have been smart enough to do it. They retained the mineral rights. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so collectively, they have done well. Mm-hmm. With the creek allotments, and the allotments of the five tribes, and the, the land was not only allotted, but the minerals and the water rights. And so when that land was being dispossessed from the Indians and the Black Greeks, whatever, within the tribes, they not only lost their mineral rights, they lost their land too. Wow. You know, so the awful thing of the, not only the tribes, you know, putting these black people out today, but the fact that they were given the same allotments without the protections, and the government didn't give them protections because they would be easy pickings for white people to dispossess them of their land. Mm-hmm. And when you look at this map where these lands are along the Arkansas River, you can see there's some of the best agricultural lands Absolutely. that we have in Oklahoma. Right. And right. back in the day, Oklahoma's economy, we forget about this when we're talking about the 21 race massacre. Oklahoma had, didn't have manufacturing here. It was, two, it was a two-system economy, agriculture, which did much better than oil and gas, and then oil, and then later when they were able to pipe gas, mm-hmm. then gas production started. But initially, it was agriculture. Mm-hmm. And the more land you had, particularly when World War I happened, right. And, you know, people were bombing uh, fields in Europe and they couldn't grow anything. Mm -hmm. We were selling them our food. Wow. And so back before the 21 race massacre, when the war was happening, agriculture was king. And because we were selling our crops to Europe. So that means we import, export. That's what we're doing Mm -hmm. way back then. Which Mm. is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Cotton, everything. 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 Man. Wow. Well, look here. We're going to take a little short pause for the calls. Hey, you're on KBOB 89.9 FM. Eli Grayson in the house. Damali Wilson, Charles Harper. So stick around and we'll be right back. What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson. And you listen to 89.9 FM. Black Power. This is the Prince of Pan-Africanism, Dr. Umar Johnson. Whenever I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm listening to The Bobby Eaton Show, 89.9 FM KBOB, for news, information, and critical analysis. The Bobby Eaton Show, that's where Dr. Umar hangs out. 
Yo, what's up, everybody? This your boy, Pastor Tim. And Nicole. And we want to encourage you guys to tune in Into to the, the His and, and Her Show, Living the Dream Show. We talk about so many issues from real estate, community events and activities, and so much more. That's right. We talk about business, helping you succeed, the hustle, and tips to help you and your family and home. Tune into the His and Her Living the Dream Show every Sunday night. Right here on 89.9 KBOB. Check us out on Facebook at His and Her Living the Dream Show. Hi. If your credit starts with Raul the three, the SOS band, and when we're in Tulsa, we listen to KDOB 89.9 FM. Juice Radio Show, bringing the liveest people on our show. Tulsa's top chefs, music artists, and entrepreneurs. Sit down, exclusively with the Juice. rocking with the best. The Juice Radio Show, Tulsa. Tulsa Transit is excited to introduce the Route 969 Workforce Express Network. The new Highway 169 Corridor Job Shuttle, WEN, is a fixed route service offering access from North Tulsa and Turley. Stops include Macy's, Amazon, Whirlpool, and Port of Catoosa. Save time and money when you ride the WEN Route 969. And for your protection, buses are clean daily. Visit TulsaTransit.org for more details. How to order. Hey, this is Ralph Johnson of Earth, Wind, and Fire. And whenever I'm in Tulsa, I'm tuning in to KBOB 89.9 on the FM. We're ready for life beyond COVID-19, beyond boundaries. And the vaccine is our best shot at getting there. Walk in for a free COVID-19 vaccine at the Community Vaccination Center, located at the Tulsa Community College Northeast Campus. Food on the Move and Warden Comprehensive Health Services presents the drive through COVID vaccination clinic. Happening May the 11th, 2021, from 4 to 7 p.m., the first 100 participants receive two-dose Moderna's or with a one-dose Johnson & Johnson. If you want to skip the line, call now at 918-388-1990. Food on the move every Tuesday on Greenwood. Let's go fresh, Tulsa. Hey, everybody. This is Bobby Eaton of Eaton Media Services, located at 1533 North Norfolk, home of KBOB 89.9 FM. Also, we're taking donations for the community radio station. You can donate by going to Cash App Eaton Media Services, or you can call and contact us at 832-443-9499. Again, that number is 832-449-499. Looking forward to hearing from you from our community radio station. And our motto is, we tell our stories our way. All right. Hey, we're back here on KBOB 89.9. 
You can follow us also on KBOB899.com. Well, we got a great show going on. All right. Damali Wilson. Hey, hey, hey. Eli Grayson. And Charles Harper. It is heat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Eli, you've been bringing up a lot of uh, good information, great recorded information, by the way, guys. Yes. So this is recorded. And um, where do we stand now today in 2021 when it comes to the tribe? Are the tribes all unified? Or is there a lot of uh, different type of stuff going on? Yeah, fighting. We, and we have tribal wars. Tribal they're wars. Going, <laughs> yeah. They're not with bow and arrows anymore, but what the tribes are you know they they're competitors you know so particularly in the casino world and other businesses mm-hmm. so they they compete for your casino dollars and so there's a lot of stuff that goes on in congress where a group of tribes bully one little tribe and mm-hmm. people getting federally tribes that are still waiting to get federally recognized there's a lot of that but i really stick with the uh, the African Creek issues or the African Indian issues mm-hmm. in Indian territory, because for some reason, I, I think in 2021, we could do better. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, some of the racist policies toward black people within these tribes are deplorable. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you, my own tribe, the Muscogee Creek Nation, the current population Without the freedmen, or the third of the tribe is people of African descent. And yet when you go down to the tribal campus and on and on, you don't see any black folks working, mm-hmm. but a handful, right. you know. And so I think there's an issue there that could be worked on. And, and you know, I, I, I. Is it that they just don't want to have any black people working? Well, the people in charge, mm-hmm. you know, but I, when you talk to most Creeks, they have black people in their family, kids, mm-hmm. everybody. In the bloodline, huh? In the bloodline, even right. kids on mm-hmm. and on. Right. And sometimes they're silent or can't, don't realize, hey, this is actually going on and we need to address it because it's no different than racism that goes on in the states. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but because it's a, a Indian tribe, you don't think of racism as being the same. But within these five tribes, the racial construct and history is no different than the southern white states. Same thing, chattel slavery, the what happened with black people, on and on and on. It's no different. Mm-hmm. And so my tribe in 1979 had a constitutional vote. We voted for a new constitution, and the new constitution eliminated, banished, uh, genocide, politically genocide, uh, political Genocide Act against his black members who were the former slaves of the tribe, defendants, mm-hmm. kicked them out. And they should be receiving health care, housing, right. business loans. Mm-hmm. You know, the McGirt decision that just happened. And you, you keep hearing the governor talking about, oh, we let out all these com- criminals and stuff. And yet what's happening is that the state doesn't have jurisdiction over tribal members here, right. you know, only the federal courts do, and that's the way it should have been. Mm-hmm. And the state just overstepped, and nobody done anything about it until recently. But a class of people that's being ignored in this ruling are the black people who should have tribal membership. Right. Right. You know, so they're being ignored, and that's not right. 
mm-hmm. you know. So we got members of Congress like Diane Watson and other members who have stepped up. And, you know, recently the Seminole Nation has been accused of getting their vaccines and their Seminole Freedmen descendants or two Barkers, the Barkers Band and the Bruno Band. Mm-hmm. People were denied access to the vaccination and some of the Bruno Band members actually died and shouldn't mm-hmm. have died wow. mm-hmm. because of the vaccination. They didn't get the vaccination. This was rec- recently in several news articles. And so we got, mm-hmm. we sent those articles and we made complaints to uh, Chairman Clyburn, who's the chair of the um, committee, subcommittee, uh, select committee on COVID to bring these tribes before the committee to explain, hey, you got a billion dollars mm-hmm. in CARES Act, but mm-hmm. you didn't give it to any black folks. Right. And you yeah. had all these vaccines, and you didn't give them to any black folks. Now, mm-hmm. the Cherokees did. They stepped up to the plate, and they treated their black people the way they should be treated. And so they don't have an issue like they did prior to that ruling. But the Seminole Nation, who freedmen are citizens of that tribe, they're denied everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So... Then you have, uh, you know, so you have issues like that, and then the Creek Nation kicking out its black citizens in 1979. The Choctaw Nation kicked their blacks out in 1982, 30 years after being paid in the 1950s for the last of their monies that they got to, to free their blacks and make them tribal members. They kicked the blacks out in 1982. So there's some issues that are lingering today, and we got Congress involved. I just wish locally the mayor would step up to the plate and say something mm-hmm. wow. and that other tribal leaders that see how wrong this is will say something. say something. Just don't sit back, let it happen, and say that's that tribe's business because if it's something going on with an Indian in that tribe, you're screaming up and down. Mm-hmm. But wow. when it comes to a black person in that tribe, you're all of a sudden, oh, I can't say anything because we don't get in other tribes' business. Well, that is crap and then i think that's what that's been the issue all along is that you know when it comes to just like this this new bill that's sitting on governor's desk to be signed so you don't want the white people to feel bad about you know how it could be perceived you know and make the kids feel like they're responsible for what happened in history in the past however it doesn't matter how black people feel about what's been done to us, right. you know, and how we've been brought over to this country, been forced to be slaves, our families divided, our history erased. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about that. It, that's not a big deal, right. you know, but it's a big deal, you know, um, you know, land stolen. I mean, it's just, it's just all of that. And then when you hear derogatory comments about people in the black community, you know, when when you see a black male, oh, he's a big bad dude, you know, right. and I need to use excessive force on this individual. Mm-hmm. But you don't understand why we have lived a history of being mistreated, used and abused right. and, you know, things taken taken from us. And then now, like I said, you know, um, when when we did the um, LeBron James video, you know, right. I mean, we're just stuck. You know, because it, we're just like damned if we do, damned if we don't. You know, right. when we try to follow the system, do things the right way, we still get screwed. When you buck against the system, you still get screwed. You know, so what do you do? Let me, yeah. uh, let me can I add this? 
when I, when I think about when you said certain tribes kick people out in 1982, I'm thinking I was born in 72, so I was 10. Right. I think a lot of times things happen because of a lack of education. Sure. And, but my thought is a lot of times since that generation, like my parents didn't go to college, but I did. My nieces are doctors now, but we still disconnected. Mm-hmm. So if me, Bobby, Damali, and other people listening in could be connected, we don't know that disconnection happened because we were just a, too, a little too young to know at that time. Right. What do we wake up and do tomorrow right. to put us, put us back in position to know or to connect with what we need well, to be doing? Well, one thing is to learn your education, know who you are, because right. until you know who you are, you, you don't know where to go. Right. You know, and so we got to teach our young people, our babies, and our youth. Some of us are not going to change, right. and we're going to still be the same, but there is hope. You know, uh, what they used to say, keep hope alive. Mm-hmm. There is some hope as long as we invest. Right. And to our young people and get this education like Eli has given us right now yeah. that a lot of us don't know about that came before the massacre and things like that. You know, because we're systematically controlled today. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Systemat- Slavery is still in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, right, right today, of, 2021. Yeah. One of the badges of slavery is not knowing your people, mm-hmm. not knowing your ancestors and, and how you got here. And, and how your DNA is actually made up. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are, you, was at, you were asking me this earlier, how do you research records with the five tribes if you believe you have a connection? Well, you just simple, sit, that, sit your butt down, and you start with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. You put your name on a piece of paper. Right. And then you put your dad's name down, and then you put your mama's name down, and then you put their parents and their parents, and you go mm-hmm. back like yeah. that. And if you if you get stuck, you ask somebody. And if you want, if you could just, you know, where it gets hard is the maiden name for women, particularly yeah. when they're married. Right. right. So you got to be able to go to the county records and pull marriage license. Mm-hmm. And on those marriage licenses, you'll see the maiden names for people. Right. Sometimes you have to pull the Social Security death uh, index cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have to pull the Social Security abstracts, which are the applications made True. in 1950, 51 for people getting a Social Security card. Sometimes you have to go back to the draft records when wow. men were filling out cards for their draft. They listed their parents' name like that. You have right. to go to the funeral homes and look oh, at yeah. their book. For sure, there. And look up, here's the maiden name. Now, the, the interesting thing about funeral records and death certificates, you got to watch out because the the person dead didn't write that. Right. It was the heir in the right. spare that exactly. actually wrote that, and they might have wrote it the way they wanted to write it. Right. So, you know, but those records are there. And then with the five tribes, we always trace our ancestors back to between 1889, 1898 and 1906. Mm-hmm. Now, beyond before that, we can go all the way back to 1798 in the Creek oh, wow. Nation. Wow. But for tribal records, to get enrolled in the tribes, we go back to what's called the Dawes Rose, D-A-W-E-S Rose. Right. And in those rows, you have two classifications of citizens. You have the freemen and the by blood, but they're still on the Dawes Rose, mm-hmm. meaning they're tribal members. And that's just 100 years back. That's right. Right. Not, my, my grandfather was born in 1888. So we're not talking about, you know, I can understand if you were 20 years old and your grandma was born in 1960. Right. You know, so you, you go back a little far. Right. Right. But 
Mm-hmm. For most people, it's just going back one or two, three generations. Mm-hmm. And if you just sit and listen and take notes and don't be afraid to talk to your and ask your parents hard questions about right. it and, right. and occasionally uh, mm-hmm. take a DNA test right, and right. see who you are connected to. Okay. Yeah. Well, look here. Let's go to the phone lines. I think we've got a caller here. Let's see what's happening. Area code three one four three eight one. You're on the Bobby Eaton show. Bobby, this is Bobby, one of the best shows that you ever had that I've listened to. Oh wow! So, oh, thank you. But, but uh, Mr. Grayson, you need to write a book. No, that's not too much. <laughs> you wouldn't believe. Well, what that's what I'm saying. Called. That's what I'm saying. You can put in the book more than what you can put in a uh, in a lecture. And the information that you get in is very pertinent information, especially as it revolves around the land. And, Bobby, it needs to be an organized effort to reattain that land. But here's the point. you got to know what you're going to do with it once you get it mm-hmm. because you just can't sit on it because if you do that, eventually it'll end up just like it is now with somebody else and we have seen that in the south so the organized effort has to be with what are we going to do what's the plans when we get this back Richard Nixon built two cities one in uh, Warren County North Carolina called Soul City with the offices of uh, McKissick and Harvey Gantt for blacks but they never went there and I hear people talk about uh Taft, Oklahoma, Bole, and the others all the time. So uh, that's something that needs to be done. Maybe you might want to think very hard about writing the book. And a couple more things. You may mention about uh, Jake Simmons. Jake Simmons was an awesome person. Uh, I think he married a Creek woman. There's a picture of him and his wife in a book called... Jake was Okay. Okay, it's a book called Stake and a Claim that talks about his life. Right. And it's written by a man by the name Jonathan Green Goldberg or Greenberg. Right. Mm-hmm. And great Jake was an intermediary between American oil companies like Standard at the time and mm-hmm. uh, Exxon and Mobil to African countries, uh, especially right. Nigeria, and also with Ghana. But the, the technology at the time they didn't have where they could discover the oil they did that now lay offshore of Ghana. But uh, Staking the Claim is a very good book. Right. And you know another thing, too. Uh, we talk about blacks own a lot of slaves, too. That's not, not talked about, especially in North South Carolina, in, the, in, in southern Louisiana, around New Orleans, where 20% of free blacks own slaves. And about 80% of them were women. Basically, they were mulatto women who inherit the plantations that their husband died and left them. And that's not talked about. So yeah. and, and even so, when you go over in an African country, the same thing you hear that's going on with the creeks, uh, child slavery and denying this, that, and so on, African tribes did that also. Matter of fact, some of the reasons why come a lot of Africans ended up over here because of a combination of things that basically centered around expulsion. I hate to say my wife... I'm married to now is one of those tribes, the Akamu from the Volta region. But uh, history is something else. But this needs to be further thought on, mm-hmm. Bobby. 
I mean, you oh, got. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get the into information. It, it's good information here. Yeah, it's great. And, Eli, if you write a book, I'm gonna be the first one to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir, man. Glad. Thank you, you very much, you. Bobby. Yeah. Okay. All right. I will say, Jake Simmons was a Creek citizen. Uh, John Ho Franklin. Mm-hmm. I mean, his father, B.C. Franklin, was a Choctaw free mm-hmm. Choctaw citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, and his father, Dave Franklin, was a Chickasaw Freedman. His mother, I can't remember her name, but they were owned by the Pitchin family, who were uh, a prominent Chickasaw Choctaw family back in back in those days. But nonetheless, when B.C. Franklin was here, he was uh, a citizen of the Choctaw Nation. He had received an allotment. He was educated by the tribe. You know, we forget all of, of these particular black people that we know in Tulsa, um, you know, I tease uh, John Willington as being a Choctaw Freedman all the time and to get involved with the fight. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. so uh, you'd be surprised. Don Cheadle. You seen him mm-hmm. all the time in my world? Yeah. And the they told him, hey, your, your family was owned by Chickasaws, and he just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Right. The Cheadle family. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. I thought my people were owned by white folks. No. They, <laughs> they, they were right, but they were chicken sauce. Can right. I, yeah, can I say this um, just one more time? So I'm tomorrow or tonight, I'm starting with myself, me, and I'm going back. People are really just trying to go back between now, it's 2021, mm-hmm. May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. You're trying to, you only got to go back when? To about 1906 is what you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, between 1898 and 1906. Okay, yeah. so that's what you – so you need to be looking at going back. I'm starting with myself because I'm going to be the example to go back to that point, to mm-hmm. figure out what's there. Mm-hmm. And you gave some additional tools, death certificates, and you got to go down – You had the population census. Population census and things like that to get the information. And I'm so happy you're here because, people, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. We we need to do this. We need new, you know. New, you ahead. know, doing this uh, this show right here, I mean, it's information that we need. Like you right. said, people – in our community, just don't know this history. Uh, I'm looking at some of the uh, uh, notes and stuff, the comments, people, yeah. the comments, and people just don't know. Mm-hmm. You know. I just looked at some of them a few minutes ago. Right. They say one lady said, uh, "I learned something today." Right. That's good. Right. You know, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. You know, you know we we forget of who Mary Turley mm-hmm. is a good example, who's twenty forty acres, whatever she got was where when Greenwood crossed over out of the town site into the Cherokee Nation, which is today Mount Vernon Church and the Greenwood Cultural Center, that's Mary Turley's allotment. She's Cherokee Indian, married to a white man named Jim Turley, who developed Turley, Oklahoma. He was a big developer. And wow. so when you look at the original uh, land deed to Mount Vernon, one some of their uh, citizens of that church bought that land directly from Mary Turley. Wow. Turley. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Mary see, what's Turley. one of the confusion, you know, of, of O.W. Gurley right. buying 40, and it was actually Mary Turley, Turley. Mm-hmm. whose allotment that was. Mm-hmm. And then there was Looney Price and the the uh, Burnett brothers and uh, Tate Brady's uh, wife was a Chickasaw, Cherokee citizen, and you did have a lot of white men marrying Indian women and making sure that their allotments were around the town site mm-hmm. because they became more valuable mm-hmm. land right. during that day. But you can't dismiss what was happening to the freedmen. Right. When you think about Oakland Cemetery, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was Centennial Manual, who's a Creek Freeman girl. She's 17 years old when she got that property. Now, did she ever live on it? No. <laughs> she lived in Taft. Mm-hmm. How did they get it from her? I have no idea, but that's her a land allotment. When you look at the gathering place, this right. is a good example. Mm-hmm. Oh, the yeah. gathering place sits on three allotments. One is Ned Tuckabuchi, which is most of it. Then his father, Tuckabuchi. You hear a lot of people talk about Tuckabuchi. Right. And then there's a, a brother named Joe Tiger. Black Joe guy. Tiger. Mm-hmm. Freeman. Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. where that new children's museum is going up at 31st and Riverside. Right. That's his lot. Tiger. Joe Tiger had 160 acres right I there. know some tigers here right. in yeah. Tulsa. So, and they're probably connected somehow to they're, one of these tiger You families. can tell. They're, they're in the 80s. You, yeah. can, mm-hmm. you can see you it can in tell. them. But uh, I'm yeah. talking about Freeman. I don't know if Joe Tiger mm-hmm. had any Indian blood in him or not because it didn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the right. fact that he's classified as a Creek Freeman. You look at Tulsa University, another good example of black land that was black land before it was Tulsa University. You look at a number of the public schools that came right out the statehood mm-hmm. where lands were being set aside by the Tulsa County and the city, the small city of Tulsa, happened to be Creek Freeman allotments, young wow. people yeah. who, who, who were the miners in their family. And what was the hardest thing was that because they started taxing the freedmen before they started taxing the Indians was that if you were, if you were an Alati and you got a wife, you got seven kids mm-hmm. and you all received 160 acres apiece. Right. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the, the county or the state or the town that you were near saying, oh, we passed the law saying you owe us taxes. Mm-hmm. You can vote on it, by the way. But, right, you know, so <laughs> I like what they're trying to do right okay. now. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so you're gonna defend what you could pay for. Right. And the youngest kid that you there and by the way, they didn't put none of these land family lands together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your allotment, like like uh, Sarah Rector, is over on the Oklahoma territory border, mm-hmm. and yet her parents' allotments were near Taft. Mm. Right. You know, and back in the day when there was no cars and roads and stuff like right, that, and right. you do your best on a canoe, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, right. going you know, down the river. Right. What, what we forget about the, the massive Arkansas River back in the day. It's not like it is today, which is sand. But back in the day, before it was dammed up, it was the river. Wow. And when the original creek, the Lojaboja, that settled the area back in the 1830s, they didn't walk from Alabama here. They were taken on a riverboat down to New Orleans, up the Mississippi River, to the Arkansas River, and they were dumped off by, you know, where the Council Oak Tree is? I'm sure you guys have been over to the Council Oak Tree. That's where the Loja Boja, the turtle people of the creeks, landed off a riverboat. That's mm-hmm. how high the river was. Mm-hmm. You know, not today. But even back at statehood, that river was still controlling the economy of this region and you just couldn't get back and forth across that river Mm -hmm. so if you look at this map again Mm -hmm. and you see all this black land north of the river Mm -hmm. right those are the people that tend to do business in Tulsa Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it was you didn't have to cross the river right Right. so if you south of the river you did business in Muskogee Mm -hmm. in Sapapa we forget about the black community in Sapapa Mm -hmm. always forget about that always forget about 
Redbird and Berry Hill yep. and all all those old antiquated towns. Jinx today was actually a black creek village called Renty's Grove. Yeah, the Creek Nation even had a school there, the Renty's Grove Color School for Creek Freedmen. In Jinx, Oklahoma. Well, Jinx wasn't called that. It wasn't even called it Jinx. Was called, it's called Jinx because the white folks said it was there. But back in they the erased, day. They erased that history, huh? Man. Totally gone. It oh was a God. black freeman community. It wow. Much older than Tulsa. And that's where a lot of Bruners and Renties and, and on and on had settled after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, it's just, um, it's sad, man, when you look at the old Muscogee maps, the Creek Nation maps, mm-hmm. and you see these old villages. And they're actually labeled black villages and stuff like that, some of them. And some of them are Indian villages, but they're no longer there. They're just sand. They're just nothing but dirt. And unless you get a metal detector out there to find something, you'll never know it existed. Mm -hmm. Or there's another town that's incorporated over it and have pretty much wiped it out. And uh, Azuma is a great example of it. That was my grandfather's allotment. That's why wow. I said Mingo and 41st. So we called it Al Suma. Al Suma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Al Suma. That right. was the Grayson Village. Yeah. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. That's my grandfather's land. Oh, wow. That, when you look at a map and you look at oh, where it's at, the original Lottie says Eli Grayson and his wow. sister That's and his crazy. uncle and his uh, brother. They're all right there. In that triangle that makes up the four, the Broken Arrow, the uh, what do you call that, Forty Four Highway, right, right, and right, whatever, yeah. one sixty nine. So my my older kids, their their um their grandfather's uh family came from. They yeah. lived in Alsuma. Right. So, so they're probably Friedman. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, Jim Goodwin said, you know, I used to know those old Graysons. When I was a kid there, they was, those were my uncles and aunts. And oh, cousins wow. And stuff mm-hmm. back in the day. Because yeah. oh, that was their land. Well, Here's what kind of... Tulsa now. Yeah. So what kind of happened with that? Do you know? Because it just seemed it's, like you were personal. Well, my, my grandfather's land is called um, Hicks Park. Oh, wow. <laughs> For real? I go out there. Hicks Park. I go over there. Occasionally, I go out there with a little table and some cards to try to open up my own casino. Go right. <laughs> you know, but that was my grandfather's allotment. Now, my grandmother's allotment was down in Hughes County. Okay. We call Tuckabuchi in the tribe. You know, so even with creeks, and, and, and people need to understand this, that uh, though Indian citizens, whether they're black Indians, white Indians, or full blood, here, we do think of everything around us by a different, you know, like I hear some Cherokees saying, they don't say North Tulsa, they say it's Turley allotment. Right. Or the, the we hear old terms like a Hodges Bend, the Hodges allotment, mm-hmm. and which is where the original black settlement was there before Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Um, we... Renty's Grove or down in Oak Muggy area, the black communities down there, you know, and people see through a different lens of, oh, that was my grandmother's land. And it'll be, a, a you know, a, a half a million, a house neighborhood in South Tulsa. Right. You know, we, we forget that most of the black owned land was not a beer at all. It was actually what we call Midtown, South Tulsa, East Tulsa and West Tulsa. 
Wow. You know, right. that was most, and Wagner County. Mm-hmm. And so, and Mac, McIntosh County, you know. And when you think about 35 blocks, just put that in perspective. You're only talking about roughly 10 acres, not right. even that. Right. But when you think about one individual in the tribe, that's a Creek Freeman or Cherokee Freeman or Seminole Freeman, owning right. 160 acres. Mm-hmm. And that child, that person could be a three-month-old baby. Mm-hmm. Right. That was born before April 26, 1906. Got 160 acres. It could be a 110-year-old creek with 160 acres. Everybody got the same. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you put that in a perspective of, oh, my God, they really got us focused on this. But the reality is it's all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. just not a neighborhood. We're talking about a forest. We're talking about millions of acres of land that some kind of way was dispossessed, some of it illegally, some of it legally, some of it through stress and trauma. But and, and then when you think about these particular black people who were not owned by Americans, they're owned by by Indians. And they speak not English. Their first language is in my tribe, it would have been Muscogee. That's right. their first language, mm-hmm. not English. And then they, they're in a tribal system of no one owns Mother Earth. The Earth, you can't own the Earth. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can mm-hmm. be buried. You mm-hmm. can go back to her, but you don't own her. You use her graciously for a period while you're on the planet. But you don't, there's that European concept, that white concept of land ownership that black people in the South was exposed to. It wasn't they black people here was not exposed to that. Right. So when land was granted to them through allotment process, that in itself was a strange thing. All of a sudden you own it. You know, you it's not the tribes anymore, you own it. You've grown up generation after generation, either free or enslaved, thinking that you couldn't own it. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So you didn't have that mentality for that. And then when you think about all of those Indian wars with yes. the Americans and right. the French and the British, and you're enslaved by this Indian family that's fighting the Americans. Mm-hmm. And the Americans are not only wanting the land in Alabama and mm-hmm. Georgia, mm-hmm. Right. they want the slaves. Right. Right. So you're in a situation that you're going to be captured maybe by the Americans and placed into the American system of slavery. And then when all that stops, then the trail of tears. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're not taken out because you're an immigrant, too, or you're being transported because you're in the forced removal, but you're going to a negotiated land. Right. You're mm-hmm. going as the chicken. Right. Mm-hmm. And the cow. Right. And the dog. Right. Yeah. You're a property. Right. You're just like the wagon. Right. Shadow. Okay, so you got all of that trauma. Mm-hmm. Man. Decade after decade. And living in fear all that time that you could be taken by white people and put into that system of slavery. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, dude, and then for them to turn around and deny who you are today, you know, with a tribe for years. Oh, those are just state Negroes from Arkansas want to play Indian. <laughs> you know, I used to hear that all the time. Did right? you? Oh, man. you If you hear some of the words in the Creek language toward black people in your face and you'll know what they've been saying, You'd be very upset. You know, and a lot of blacks are not really aware of that. And white people either. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. we have our mm-hmm. words that we say, and they are very derogatory. 
Right. You know, and they're not meant to be a compliment. They're right. meant to belittle. Towards mm-hmm. African-American people. And huh? white people, too. White people, too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, non, we say non-tribal members. You know, but there is a, you have a, 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 I am a, I am a member of the Creek Nation. I'm subject to Creek Nation laws. I, if the, if I get arrested here, they would now have to call the tribal police. Right. Because they can't take me in, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't be prosecuted through the state court or the city mm-hmm. or the county, whatever. So, I would have to go to tribal court or the federal court. So you show a police officer stops you right here on Pine Street. I would say I'm a member of the Creek Nation. And then you'd have to prove that you are by identification, right? I have a tribal ID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tribal and ID. even if they arrest me, they'll eventually find out right. that right. I am under, the, I'm under a, a, what we call a ward of the federal government. That's what really a tribal member means. You're a ward of the federal government, mm-hmm. like Puerto Ricans. Are yeah. Wards okay, of so the federal you don't government. even have to have your card then. No, they'll they're going to they're gonna find out anyway. Yeah. And then therefore, they'll Except, have to. Look. Here's the deal. Here's the the crazy thing. They want to throw the freedmen under the bus, even though they are part of that treaty. You right. know, the whole McGirt decision was based on Article Three of the 1866 treaty. Article Two deals with the black folks. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you going to get to Article 3 and, then, and not read through Article, Article 2? two. Yeah. You know, so Jump but over, they want to huh? throw the black folks under the bus as a token to the state. And you would think the state, the, the Governor Smith would be so. excited about the McGurk decision because he ain't got to house prisoners that are members of these tribes. He could throw them all to the federal government and get them off the dime of the state. But because the private prison, they make the best deal, they don't want to give them up. That's Mm -hmm. the only reason that governor is actually fighting against the tribes on the McGurk. Mm -hmm. And what he should be doing is bankrupting the tribes and by saying, we're giving you all your prisons back. You got to pay for it. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. You got to pay. You know, you got to build prisons. You got to do all this Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. But instead, because the political campaigns and stuff like that, we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this brother is protecting private prison. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy. And in, in my thought, I keep hearing about the people coming in and they can vote, vote, and then we can't vote. And I, I just vote, 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 keep coming up. So I have to get your take. Let's fast forward to 2021. January 6th, the insurrection happened. Okay. Explain to me how you view and your thoughts about that insurrection that happened on January 6th. Uh, oh, in in, yeah, in the nation's cap- capital. Oh, I mean, I I see it. You know, we call Americans in our tribe Wajena. That's the Creek word for white folks and anybody that's American is Wajena. 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 Children of George Washington. <laughs> oh, Wajena. Wajena. I'm gonna remember that. Okay. okay. So when the Wajena had their problems, <laughs> we laughed about it because it was just like. Wait a minute. You kicked us off our lands in Alabama. Our grandparents, great, great, uh, thousands of years of buried under that soil, mm-hmm. and you took it from us. Mm-hmm. And you sent us out here from what we knew, our language. Let's, let me just put the, the we, we, we redwash or whitewashed the Trail of Tears, but let's put that in perspective right. on how the native actually sees it. Our language, our Muscogee language was not formed from trees and the dirt in this area. 
Mm-hmm. Our language over thousands of years was formed because of what we saw in the place we actually were for thousands of years. Right. You know, when we looked at a tree, it didn't look like the tree here. We looked at swamp trees and giant pine trees and alligators and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mantras and all these. We right. had our language formed around what we visually saw for right. a thousand years right. and where our dead was buried and buried and buried and buried for thousands of years. Right. And then you pluck us up and you put us in a, another area that belonged to another tribe whose language was formed off the area surrounding here. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Europe, and you look at two different languages. Right. They're next to each other. Right. When you look at the tribes across the continental U.S., you got over 500 or thousands of tribes back in the day with different language, languages, and many of those languages are extinct today, many of them. Mm-hmm. Just like when we lost our lands in the South and we had to go, we had to sit there and watch animals that we cared for go extinct. Because of the white encroachment. Right. Animals go extinct. I'm telling you, Man. birds that are no longer there, that are still in our Muscogee language that we can't see, but we got a name for. Right. right. You know, right. so it wasn't just the land theft. It was the theft of everything we knew. Right. And when we left, we had to leave our people buried. And then we had to watch you dig them up and put highways and cities on top of it. And mm. then and then throw some of them in the universities as artifacts. Mm. Yeah. And then you give our tribal land, our sacred land, hickory ground, to a bunch of pretenders that you call a new tribe down there mm-hmm. who mm. dug up our dead and built a casino on top of it because that state wanted a casino. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to sit back and watch that. And, you know, anyway, that's getting off on the subject of, of the black slave issue. But the the Indian side of that argument, there is, um, you know, it's it it hurts, you know, and right. it's, you it's know, painful. It is. And when I, I think about, um, you know, my my great grandmother. Susan Grayson. She was on Trail of Tears. Mm. Her allotment is down that door exit off of 75, mm. where Henrietta is. Mm. Right. She came mm. as an orphan girl because both of her parents were killed in the Indian Wars in Alabama. You know, she never knew them. Mm. And yet my grandfather knew her and called her grandmother. You know, knew her, knew everything she went through. She was an orphan, you know. And she married a Creek person who was enslaved by her Mm. family. Wow. And all the crap he went through, Mm -hmm. you know. And so when my grandfather's generation came about, the one that he was born in 1888, this is now 20 years, 22 years after the Civil War, there was a lot of hope for him. And even when the government pushed the allotments on us, there was hope in that for them because they were saying, you have this land for the next 20 generations in your family. Right. It was gone before he was dead. Wow. You know, so, I mean, that that whole system, uh, there's a black Indian element there where where some Indian families done well, like the Gilcreases. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and I won't go there. Mm-hmm. But that's I never knew they were stuff. Indians. Yeah, right. Yeah, they probably, probably didn't either. They got mm-hmm. it. You know, but anyway, I'm going to go there. You know, but they story, did yeah. well. You know, but the freedmen who received allotments right next to them in the Glenpool, what happened to them? Why aren't they billionaires? Right. You know, why are the, their census cards say they're in federal prison? Mm. That don't make sense. It makes sense if you know they were getting mm. this oil from them. Mm-hmm. And right. they put them in prison so they won't participate in it. Put you them know, in prison. They put them in prison. And you cannot find them in any U.S. population census after 1920. So wow. what happened to these young cats? You know, they should have been millionaires. Right. So they had their allotment was in the Glenpool area. Yeah, in the Glenpool too. Pe- yeah, and they just removed them, put them in prison now. Yeah, but they weren't the I- only one. They are a whole bunch of families. You look at them and you go, well, what happened to them? Why is it just this one family that did well? What about all of these other people? The right. Glenpool is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just not one little spot with an oil jack. It's a massive area, mm-hmm. a pool of oil that's the study Arabia of the area during that time. And what happened to all these families that should have actually been ahead of the game? And the reality is, if... Even if the allotments happened and the Creek Nation was able to keep the oil and gas, it would have been wealthier than the U.S. Oh, right. yeah. Back in the day. Right. Definitely. Mm. But they pushed the allotments because they knew there was oil and gas under the Creek Nation. They knew to divide the land up, to take the government, the Creek Nation government protection off the shoulders of the citizens, put them under the new state, give them, and the new state would give them no protection, mm-hmm. and the immigrating white would come here and take advantage of them, mainly because they didn't know that land ownership system. They had no education for that. Mm. Right. You know, so anyway, um, I was going to let you read this, brother. I know you may have to go here, but this sums up um, pretty much what happened here. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll get there. Let's take your time. <laughs> I thought I'd save this for you. Could you read that? Yeah. So I saw it. We'll be one of the first in the state of Oklahoma. Jim Crow law. Start up there. Okay, I didn't see that. Okay, Jim Crow law. We'll be one of the first in the state of Oklahoma. Muskogee. IT is IT. Indian Territory. Indian Territory, September 10th. When Indian Territory gets statehood, doubtless it will, at the time of its legislative convention, pass a Jim Crow law. And that is going to cause a big howl from the minority population of the territory. The Negroes here, especially the freemen, have by virtue of being land landowners brought themselves to believe they are entitled to all the privileges of the white man. This will continue until some form of local self-government comes, and the feeling at that time is likely to be so intense that a, that a very stringent law of this character will be enacted. In ra- railway, that's what that is. Railway coaches. Railway coaches, streetcars, and elevators, the Negroes take equal, equally equity with whites. 
since the new railroads have been built into Texas and Arkansas, where Jim Crow laws are enforced, the Negroes from the territory have been given a taste of what they may expect in the future in the territory, and they resent it bitterly. But the white population recognize the fact that there must be some such law to protect the public, and it is likely that both political parties will agree to such a bill. Oh, man, that is so deep and so heavy, man. That's the beginning. Yeah, well, man, that's deep. Well, we come to the close, you guys. I mean, we could go all night. Man, because this is some good stuff. Man, this is some real good stuff. Eli, like my brother said earlier, you need to write a book, man. (laughs) You need to put this in paper. I mean, mean, really, you need to do this, you know. Or do a video or do something, man. I'll tell you, there's some good books out there already written. One is called African Creeks by Gary Zeller. Okay. Good book. African and Creeks by Dr. Daniel Lillifield from the University of Arkansas. He deals mm-hmm. with enslavement of black people before the Civil War in the Creek so, Nation. Yeah. There's also the African in, in Cherokees, Africans and Chickasaws, written by right. the same Dr. Daniel Lillifield. So, but there, there are books out there. Yeah, and I, Hannibal well, Johnson we, we, wrote one called We need Apartheid. that Eli Grayson book. That's what we <laughs> yeah, need, man. I mean, I hear all these. Don't yeah. wait on me to write a book. Well, I'm not saying I read them. There's information out there that you can yeah, go mm-hmm. and, and obtain and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And also, I really want to stress to people that Please think out of the of the Black Wall Street narrative, and it's not a street. We're talking about millions of acres mm-hmm. of land that was owned by the native blacks of Indian Territory that were dispossessed from them during the same time mm-hmm. and before and after 1921. All of this was going on during the same time. Right. So when they bombed Greenwood, they were not just bombing the neighborhood. They, was all, they were also stealing mm-hmm. millions of acres through crazy Jim Crow laws that the state came up with, mm-hmm. the county, the cities, the mm-hmm. towns. Mm-hmm. And, and the federal government sat back and allowed this to go on when they had a fiduciary responsibility to protect the freedmen from that. Right. Because the freedmen had treaties mm-hmm. in the conditions in those Indian treaties that they were to be protected. And the government ignored them. Now, I do think there needs to be a class action lawsuit against the state Mm -hmm. and against the federal government by the Muscogee Creek Nation, by the Cherokee Nation, by the Choctaw Chickasaw Seminoles. But the only way they could sue about all of this land crap that's happened is that they include the freemen Mm -hmm. in that fight. If they don't, then it'll never happen. And as long as white folk in this state, you know, just let the Indians fight, mm-hmm. you know, nothing will ever happen. Yeah. Right. Let's see. Uh, well, thank you guys uh, yes. for being on this panel tonight. You know, man, this has been a lot of great information. For those of you who don't know, the, it is recorded. KBOB 89.9 on Facebook Live. You can go back and watch it, or you can go to Blog Talk Radio, and you can listen to it. Share it with a family member or a friend. This is the information. Damali, you got anything to say before we leave? I think that, um, Eli, why don't you give people your information of how they can reach you if someone wanted to talk to you? Oh, Facebook. Uh, yeah, Eli Gray. It's only four of us from in the U.S. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to pick one of them. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, just 
hit me up on Facebook. Um, you could follow me on Facebook or Twitter. Um, I apologize right now to you. I cut people out on Facebook. Okay, that's all right. So, so <laughs> don't go on Facebook and, and don't judge don't you. Show right. no feelings because yeah. I ain't and all I, Well, do it on Facebook. <laughs> and all, and all, all I want to say is Eli Grayson, uh, you are definitely a man with a plan, and thank you for taking my call. Thank you for taking out your time to give us this knowledge. Absolutely, don't do absolutely. That. We I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. All right, till the next time. Hey, have a good one. And you've been on the Bobby Eaton Show where we tell our stories. Our, oh, I, I muted myself. <laughs> our way, okay? Hey boy, would you meet me on the road?